We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Week 4 seen some massive performances by a multitude of players around the NFL. That's what we are going to talk about today on Rotoviz Overtime. We had some fantastic performances specifically at the wide receiver position, some very interesting quarterback play, maybe some players that we haven't talked as much about here on Rotoviz OT over the opening three weeks that we're going to dive into on today's episode. Week 1 was the week maybe that is the odd one out in terms of point scoring, and we have seen some poor offensive play but we have seen some extremely impressive offensive play as well and we're going to talk about both sides of that potentially as we go through today's show but week th- two three four have produced the points have produced some highlight clips and uh, looking forward to getting sean's thoughts on it as we talk through it on the first road of his ot of the week the monday edition as always make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get these once they are available they do come out over on youtube and the video format but that is usually 24 hours post coming out as an audio edition on Rotoviz Overtime. So check out the podcast feed. Sean, week four, not looking like a good week for the Rotoviz OT teams, but looks like uh, across the board, probably maybe a, one of those 50-50 weeks, and we'll see how the the chips fall at the end of it all. But how are you feeling as we wait on Monday Night Football, but we are uh, four weeks through the NFL season? Good. I mean, you got to have a, a London game this week. So I know that Colin is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's good in general. And some people are bigger Toy Story fans than I am. And so. Oh, I'm a Toy Story fan, Sean. There you go. I'm there you go. Story. So Colin, excited about that. How did you enjoy the Amazon coverage with the Toy Story highlights? We have to give the correct, maybe it could have been Amazon, it was Disney Plus, Sean, that I watched this one on, and uh, I did see some people complaining, I know depending on where you are, what packages you have in the US, and some people didn't have alternative options, so they were stuck with this feed, so I, I'm sure if you were trying to watch the game, you know, without cartoon characters as the players, it may not have been the best way to spend your early How Sunday morning. How you get stuck to where US. you didn't have... I believe that it was on ESPN and maybe you needed ESPN plus or something to that effect to watch the actual game. So the feed for 
the Toy Story was on Disney Plus and one of the ESPN channels. And I, I don't know how the subscription model works, but I did see people on the Twitter sphere not very happy with uh, some of the options. But I was quite happy because I was able to get my five-year-old daughter to sit down and watch some of these plays. And obviously, she was much more interested in the Toy Story characters and how it was done. But I did think it was a very smart move by the NFL, by Disney, and you know everyone involved to try and open it up to that, I guess, younger demographic. Uh, the NFL like money. They can never have too many fans. And I guess this was another way to open up those doors. But uh, I have to say, I thought it was really well done. The entire game all cartoon format uh as toy story characters kind of move around the screen and different things happen and the halftime show sean was by duke kaboom so maybe mightn't register with with you who that is but anyone who seen the most recent toy story film will know that he is one of the greatest daredevils in canadian daredevil history but uh fun times i, I enjoyed watching that and yeah sean you mentioned we got a london game there was a london game it wasn't that entertaining um I will say. Now, are the Jaguars ready. staying there and playing for you guys again next week? They are. They're they're staying over, so they're on a, a long road trip, which which makes sense rather than heading back and coming back. But I'm not 100% sure. I believe this is the first time the Jaguars have played back-to-back games in London. But there was a long period of time where they were not having success in London, which is like their adopted home at this particular point, uh, outside of Jacksonville, obviously. But getting a win here 23 to 7 and uh, they have uh, had a little bit more success in recent years over this side trevor lawrence 207 passing yards one touchdown sean desmond ritter 191 some per interceptions by ritter in this game through back-to-back picks the one thing i'll say and i, I did actually post this it was a twitter link for sean the Bijan robinson highlights toy story version are quite impressive the real life version are incredibly impressive too he did have 105 yards on the ground of 14 carries, also had five for 32 in the air. One of those ones through the air, Sean, was a one-handed grab, which when he catches it, it looks like yeah, he, something else has had to pin the ball there in his hand. It's not just like he grabbed it that way, but yes, he did grab it that way. Bijan Robinson is everything that he was advertised to be and more on top of that. The unfortunate part for him at the moment is he's in an offense that is going to struggle that little bit that a lot but maybe but we've seen what christian mccaffrey done on sunday for the 49ers with an incredible performance Bijan robinson may be the the closest in terms of somebody you could slot into that christian mccaffrey role and see him potentially put up similar numbers he just looks incredible the other part i know we talk you know drake london got his touchdown in london but didn't do a huge amount more outside of that but kyle pitts two for 21 and four targets sean John o. Smith is becoming a thing in this offense. Six targets, six receptions, 95 yards for him. But as you mentioned, or as I mentioned, more like not the most exciting game. And we'll see what happens next week's London game. Colin, for those of us who didn't get up early enough to watch this game, explain how the Jaguars actually won. Because a 20 for 55 line for Travis Etienne, not what you're looking for. We don't have a, to worry they a, about. They built a brick wall at their offensive line with the defensive line of the Atlanta Falcons, and they ran Travis Etienne into that uh, twenty times. Well, one of the small concerns that I had this year, and we wrote a big article about it. The article looks pretty decent so far, but the Jaguars were really emphasizing that they wanted Travis Etienne to hit the correct holes. And you go back and look at his 2022 numbers where he was fantastic. And his, 
Number one, his design gap rate was extremely high. Number two, his stuff rate was low. And so the things you'd be looking for in terms of hitting the right hole hard were really good in his debut season. And so when I see a team and a coaching staff come out and be like, okay, we went over the film with him a lot in the offseason, showing him how he needs to hit these holes. I'm like, this is actually a little bit of a concern because if you're going to take someone who's already dominating and is already at least statistically, and certainly there can be instances where the stats don't show something that the coaching staff wants you to do, right? Those are two different things. But all that you can really see happening there is that that emphasis is going to take away the running back's ability to be creative, ability to trust his own eyes and own reads and make the moves that you need. Now, in this particular game, maybe those options weren't there. But you think about the contrast between Travis Etienne and what we're getting from Kenneth Walker, where he's doing kind of that silly video game stunt where you're running sideline to sideline. Kenneth Walker will have three-yard gains where he's run 50 yards by the end of the play. You could argue that that also isn't completely ideal. You need him to get up the field, and yet these two players are two of the most exciting running backs in football. And I mean, I'd almost prefer what Walker is doing right now, where he's being allowed to demonstrate some creativity and he's trying to make plays. This idea of just smashing yourself into the line, especially when I mean, Travis Etienne is not a big back, right? He's not a tiny back, but he's not a big back. Use him in the way that it makes sense to use a guy like a Jamal Charles, as opposed to thinking, you know, you're running Jim Brown into the line. I, a lot of the usage here has been pretty frustrating. Obviously, you don't have to worry about Tank Bigsby again. He is not involved in this game either. I mean, perhaps the silver lining is that you don't appear to be losing workload. But one of the things that we have witnessed is that if teams have a decent backup and they go through a stretch here where really through their own lack of creativity and poor design, they neutralize that person's play they're like well let's see if we can get the backup to do a good job in this horrible offense that we've designed i mean one of the things here is that we were strongly selling calvin ridley in the offseason at adp and yet when i'm looking at this game and you have 20 combined targets for christian kirk and evan ingram and only two for calvin ridley now granted they go for 38 yards and a touchdown that touchdown is extremely important from a reality perspective maybe you make the claim look i mean he's doing what we need him that touchdown is in some ways the difference it gives you that gap to feel comfortable at the end either ridley needs to play a lot better and he can't be taken away by the defenders the way he's allowing himself to be or again, you just have to have the offense designed a little bit differently because relentless underneath targets to Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram are not how you're going to allow Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars team to take the next step and be like in the mix with teams like the Bills and the Dolphins and the Chiefs. We're far enough into Trevor Lawrence's tenure with the Jaguars. You know, we're in the middle of the second season with Doug Peterson as the head coach. At a certain point, Wins like this against a horrible Atlanta team are actually not that encouraging. And we're sitting here really waiting for the Jaguars, again, with so many pieces. I mean, it's easy to look at the Falcons and be like, they added Bijan Robinson, and Bijan Robinson is everything that they wanted and more, and yet they've managed to get worse and somehow use Drake London and Kyle Pitts even less than they were using them previously, which, you know, mind-boggling, but in some ways... I wouldn't say not a surprise when you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts and don't use them. It is a surprise. And yet certainly well within the range of things that you could believe Arthur Smith would do. 
But the flip side of that is that this is not a good game from the Jaguars either, especially from an offensive perspective, if you're going to compete with the heavyweights. And when you talk about talent, I mean, this is a team that has Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk. They should not be stymied by the Atlanta Falcons. No, they, they definitely shouldn't be. And um, we'll see if it improves, but it's it's not been it's not been great so far. Sean, wide receivers really had some massive performances this week. We had Justin Jefferson, six for 85 and two. One note on that is everything that Justin Jefferson is doing is Justin Jefferson related, whether it's a wide open completion or whether it's a contested catch. Kirk Cousins has really struggled, though, over these last couple of weeks. I think he's putting up huge numbers at times, but this week, really nothing was happening. He had two interceptions. He did have two touchdowns with just a 19 pass attempts, 12 completions, 139 yards. TJ Hawkinson, because of those attempts, was really faded out in this one. Uh, just three targets for him, two for 24. We did see the Bills put up a, a whooping on the Dolphins. The Dolphins obviously had their big win in week three, but 48 points for the Bills led to a massive day for Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs, those seven targets, six receptions, 120 yards and three touchdowns. Incredibly perform uh, imp performance by him. There was one of the players we were joking about before we started recording, one of the plays rather, where it really should be a tackle around the the 50 yard line and the defender does a really bad job and lets him run untouched the rest of the way to the end zone the other big game or the other big performance was from aj brown nine for 175 and two touchdowns for him in that philadelphia win in overtime against the washington commanders obviously lots of positive you know, outtakes to have there for sam howell in this performance deandre swift had another nice performance Jalen Hurts looked great and Sean and Ben did dive into those games a little bit more on Stadium Bananas so some interesting notes there we might get Sean's thoughts on any particular parts that he wants to mention from those games in a moment but the the one I want to talk about Sean is somebody we continue to talk about and that is Puka Nakua he has all the records now Sean all the NFL records through four weeks he has them all nine receptions 163 and a touchdown on 10 targets the surprising thing is the final target final reception is for a touchdown in overtime as they win 29-23. Part that caught me out on this was that was his first touchdown reception for all the receptions he had. I think he has 39 on the season now. First one for a touchdown. He just, again, I mentioned, you know, Robinson looking great. This guy didn't come as much advertised, but he is, you know, every time you think there might be a little bit of a you know, re reduction in performance, he continues to be heavily involved. Looks very very impressive and the other part i wanted to mention stafford did have an interception in this we talked about this after week one I, i've been very impressed with stafford's play his arm strength he has 40 attempts here 27 completions 319 yards one touchdown one interception the thing that is always so amazing about him is the actual talent that he has in terms of some of the passes almost around corners on off you know angles and his arm twisted in certain directions stafford i think there's a lot of talk about what puka is doing but i think a lot of the credit on the other side of that is is probably not being given to matthew stafford and I, I think it really should be i think he's been quite impressive i think it won bad game three good games through four weeks but it's the best we've seen him since their run to the, the super bowl and when you look at this game and you look at how the Bengals played the loss last week to cincinnati really looks pretty bad for the rams they needed that one as they chase the 49ers and compete with the 49ers in this division every game like that is going to be very important and it does seem like the rams could be in the mix now this colts team when they came in two and one i refer to them as a near expansion level team still despite that fact it gives you a little bit of a sense of they're a hard watch they are a hard watch 
Yes and no. I mean, they they do some very exciting things. We'll get to that in a moment. But the story here for Puka, right? You get the nine receptions, the 163 yards. You think back to last week where the Bengals limited him. He's not a dynamic player from an athleticism perspective. And you're concerned that he could end up being sort of this underneath threat, which that's not a huge problem. If you're catching eight passes for you know 70 yards and doing that very consistently, then even if you don't have the dynamism, that's 15 points that'll play. You may not get the 15 every game, but you'll occasionally catch a touchdown. You'll occasionally have nine or 10 receptions. I mean, you could see the path for him to being a very playable dynasty asset. And that's the question that we keep having. Like, should you trade for him? Should you trade him if you have him? Column, I think that our answer to those questions of, you know, we have him ranked really high. Be careful about selling low on him at least through an extra game here that looks good because one of the things that really stood out here is that he was being used vertically throughout the game right 163 yards 18 yards per reception really not a ton of that was after the catch and so you're looking at him as being able to get open and make plays down the field and you're trying to think of how this offense potentially would work with cooper cup also in place and it starts to get pretty exciting right because tutu again Doing some things in this game, he only catches five of his nine, but you have that vertical dimension. Van Jefferson only pulling the three targets. They have 11 targets here to a Tyler Higby. I mean, those targets you would probably prefer being spread out or going to different places or going to Cooper Cup. You mentioned the arm strength here. Matthew Stafford also spent a decent chunk of the late portion of this game. I wouldn't say injured, but certainly in some physical distress. He fights through that to make the plays. I think if you're going to get a vertical element for here for Puka, then I mean you're talking about again, and this is just a massive, massive league winner and somebody who the long term looks pretty bright for. He also had two additional catches that were called back as the result of penalties that, you know, perhaps were a little bit questionable. It, this is one of these where you know he runs his route and as he's making his cut, the defender makes contact with him and then it falls down, and the commentator is like, well, that's the most clear cut. You know, offensive pass interference you'll ever see. Like, well, yeah, if the offensive Sean guy can't this. do anything, right? Sean loves If you this. can't do anything when the guy, <laughs> it's like if you're running your route and the defender falls down as a result, that's evidently pass interference on the offensive guy. But the big takeaway, he looked fantastic. The Los Angeles Rams run 78 plays in this game. Part of that, a result of their pace. Part of that, the result of the Colts playing fast and also you know, having to punt on these. The Colts end up 20 fewer plays. A little bit of that is that obviously the Rams had the ball in overtime. Anybody who wants to check out how this pace element is working, Matt Irby has had a great series on pace using the Rotoviz NFL pace tool on the site. What I was going to come back in with is obviously you mentioned the number of plays that the Rams ran and we have talked about a bit about Puka and where he is in the dynasty rankings. We've also kind of talked a little bit or maybe only hinted at it a little bit but with kyron williams and is that sustainable with him and you know his efficiency and can that continue and what they want to do maybe at the running back position he did have 25 carries here but it's 103 yards two touchdowns for him also gets three receptions on three targets for 24 yards with this production that he has is he somebody that if people have them on their dynasty rosters or you know if they have them on their season-long rosters if there's trades in those leagues is he somebody that people should be keeping or potentially looking to move for something else i think if you can move in for something significant then you should we know that the running backs get hurt we know that 
many of them have very narrow moats. This is a game here where the Rams were up 23 to nothing in cruising and should have won this game going away. And then perhaps a little bit as a result of, again, Stafford getting dinged up. They get very conservative through stretches in the second half. You have Williams out there, you know, running into a Colts defense that knows that they have to make stops to get the ball back for their offense if they're going to be competitive in this game. And one of the things that really stands out here is despite all the weaknesses that the Colts have, Shane Steichen does a great job within the game managing to optimize for the different situations. And so, I mean, I don't like the Rams getting ahead and then going to a small, slow back and running him into the line in the same way that we don't necessarily like Travis Etienne being run into the line. You'd like to see it play out a little bit differently. One of the concerns that I have, if you have Matthew Stafford, who looks again, just really good back there and you have the great arm strength, but these two teams, the Rams, and then thinking back to Thursday night with that both extremely encouraging and yet also, you know, infinitely frustrating performance from, from the lions, unless you have David Montgomery, in which case it's not frustrating at all. It's extremely exciting, but you get down there by the end zone. And if the passing performance of a Jared Goff and the passing performance of a Matthew Stafford are going to be neutralized from a fantasy perspective because the team is very run heavy down by the goal line, then number one, it does make it harder to start someone like Stafford and Goff because one of the things that we're witnessing, and this wasn't something that was hidden. I'm not saying this is like a revelation, but Anthony Richardson can play a relatively poor game like he did here and still be very viable for fantasy, whereas Stafford and Goff, I mean, they're at the point where they have to have astonishing performances to even be playable in fantasy because of how their team likes to manage the green zone. So the flip side of that then is that Kyron Williams, I mean, these touchdowns, they're not necessarily going to stop unless the offense deteriorates, he gets injured, or they actually do start to have very different circumstances down there inside the 10. For the Rams, I think that that's a little bit more likely than for the Lions. I and mean, one of the things that we saw with the Lions, and part of this is that the Lions were up and were trying to kill the clock in addition to trying to score and so from the lions perspective if they're held to a field goal then in that late game scenario that wouldn't be the end of the world for them at all but i mean they get into very serious pass situations down there inside the 10 like a third and eight late and they hand off to david montgomery again the defense not really expecting it gets down to the ones then fourth and goal you give it to him again i don't believe what Williams is doing is sustainable and yet if you have him you're very excited because the individual game upside is just so far beyond his actual talent level that I mean you really hit the jackpot right I mean that lottery ticket has paid off in a fantastic way we'll see what happens but I mean you love for Puka to get more touchdowns you'd love for the team to Go ahead and finish up. I mean, they just don't have what they need in the passing game to really do it until Cooper Cup is back. It sounds like he may be more ready to go than some of the other guys who were put on IR. So we'll see what that. We'll see how that transpires. 
One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person, it is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress in trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code RotoViz for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RotoViz for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Column, the Colts side of this. Some really good things, some really bad things. Anthony Richardson gave us the entire scattering report in this game. He was 11 for 25. Doesn't have a good feel for where his guys are going to be. Doesn't have any touch. Doesn't have any accuracy. But he has a massive arm. And that touchdown pass the first time through where they're starting the comeback. 
I mean, that is arm strength that you just don't see. And with the rollout, so you get Mo Alley Cox with the long touchdown there. You get the rushing touchdown down by the goal line a little bit later. They go for two points on two occasions and they get both of them. The thing that really jumped out to me in this game is that, I mean, I praised Steichen and I don't think it's some kind of massive mistake, right? But you think about this game, you're down 23 to zero, you score, you go for two, you get it 23, eight, you score again. You have to go for two there because you have to know whether or not you're going to need one score or two. I think that the psychology of it is that when you are in the midst of the comeback, that the teams are thinking, okay, we want to get it towards definitively one score so that emotionally our players know that we're within one score now and we've put more pressure on the Rams. And perhaps you have put more pressure on the Rams. One of the things, though, that can happen there is they actually call more optimal plays once you get it back to the one score. But you have to know because... Even with Anthony Richardson, these two-point conversions are not going to be automatic. And if you don't get the final two-point conversion, then you would need another score. And you want to know that early enough to manage the game in such a way that you can get that additional drive in. But then the other thing is that when you're converting two-point conversions like this, and when you are even at home, when you're the underdog, you're making this comeback, you have a quarterback who is going to be way better for two-point conversions than he is for the full drive. I mean, you think about what Anthony Richardson is giving them right now, and I mean, your likelihood of a three and out is really high, but your likelihood to be able to convert a two-point conversion, that's also really high, right? You want to be there so you, if you get that one to go from 23-8 to 23-16, and then you score the third touchdown, you want to be in the situation that the commanders found themselves in and didn't play properly where you can go for the third two-point conversion and simply win and the win. game. You don't want to be in the situation here where you don't even touch the ball in overtime. The other part, Sean, is I think Anthony Richardson, based on the rushing ability, is going to be usable, but it's very, very hard to play anyone, probably outside of Zach Moss on the Colts. Is there anyone that you would say outside of Moss and Richardson you could actually play in this, in this roster? I, I think there's not. Well, I think the fantasy managers got this offense very accurately judged in terms of ADP, where with Richardson, you have the extreme range of outcomes. He's got these games like this where even though I mean, a lot of the game is not very good, you still get a, a very good fantasy result. So you can play him, and he was priced to where there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of reward. You have players like Michael Pittman, who fall well below. Now, Michael Pittman was an extremely trendy player in 2022. He underperforms that. He was going to drop some regardless of who the quarterback was. But once it became obvious that it was going to be Anthony Richardson, and that Richardson was probably just about the worst-case scenario for him, he just plummets down draft boards. I mean, that looks right. In this game, the five targets, the only the one catch. And we've got other receivers who are having bad games so this isn't something where you're saying oh michael Pittman, anybody who drafted him even after he fell that's a bad pick i don't necessarily think it was a bad pick once he got to that spot I and mean, we didn't have exposure to him but you look at this offense and the way that it worked in this game and especially with the heavy emphasis on the tight end targets and what's the deficit that they also had to come back from you know to have, uh, it's more the volume is so low when there's 11 you know, there's 24 targets but if there's 11 completions you're there's not much of a pie to, to get a piece of there. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a game where basically he doesn't complete any passes in the first half. I think he has four at halftime. Even in a 23-point deficit, you only complete 11 passes total. The targets, you get that touchdown from O'Ali Cox, but also Kylan Granson and Drew Ogletree are very involved. Ogletree ends up leading the team in receiving yards. And Josh Downs, again, I mean, he looks really good. He caught a 30-yard pass down the field. If players with targets. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get that some, but when you only have the 25 (laughs) total passes, it's it's not great, right? It's not great. And so, I mean, I still think that if you can get out there and buy Josh Downs right now, again, at prices that reflect the fact that no one in this passing game is going to have value in 2023, I think you should do that. Downs, to me, is someone who... I don't think that there is much difference at all from a talent perspective when you're looking at Josh Downs and Zay Flowers. And so obviously there's a big gap in how much these guys cost. I don't know that when you're looking at like a year and a half from now that there's going to be that much difference between Lamar Jackson and Anthony Richardson. I mean, one of the things that we talked about coming in with Richardson is that it's not a fair comp for him to Lamar Jackson, who both ran a lot more in college and passed more effectively in college so in both elements anthony richardson is a very poor man's version and yet especially in the first half here you saw richardson take off and run a little bit more than maybe would be expected we saw some design runs from him then in the second half you see the run down by the goal line so he's demonstrating that athletic profile right his coaching staff is getting him into play there now he did take some hard hits in this game too where it's a matter of can he stay healthy if he's going to play that way obviously you have the concussion already which has hurt his managers but i think that the run portion of it is better than i expected and is going to play out more favorably for fantasy than i think maybe the median outcome was certainly i mean that was in the range of outcomes the passing here will be interesting because if they can develop the passing attack off of some of that which they haven't really done much with and yet i mean you think about it and one of the things with Lamar Jackson is that his passing has been relatively effective, but he looks uncomfortable as a passer. And he does go through stretches where he's very inaccurate, even though they have the easy win against the Browns with the backup quarterback for the Browns. I mean, this is a team with the Ravens that has a ton of questions that they have to answer on the offensive side. You can understand why the Colts fell in love with Anthony Richardson when you watch him throw the ball, because the actual act of throwing it is so much more intuitive, so much cleaner, so much more dynamic than what we see with Lamar Jackson. And so when we're contrasting the two situations, I don't know that a year from now, the situation with Zay Flowers with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson is going to actually be significantly better than the situation with Josh Downs and Anthony Richardson. So it'll be interesting to see how Richardson does moving forward, Sean, but somebody that we haven't talked a huge amount about, we've mentioned in passing, but the Houston Texans don't get a lot of love on the podcast. And I thought we should talk a little bit about CJ Stroud, uh, Nico Collins, and Tank Dell, and how that kind of trio is working on a, a week-to-week basis. But also want to mention this game in particular, Kenny Pickett got injured, Pat Farmouth got injured. We'll see. They feel like they're going to be multiple weeks, potentially for Firemouth. Feels like it could be potentially longer, undergoing some further scans on Monday with Javante Williams who went down in the Broncos game with Mike Evans, who went down with a hamstring injury in the, the Buccaneers game, and T. Higgins with a fractured rib missing out again during the game. Seems to be a recurring theme, unfortunately, with a broken rib. There's not much you can do about that, but unfortunately, T. Higgins 
not finishing another contest here but cj stroud sean through these opening four weeks has looked incredible 306 yards he's passed 300 yards in numerous contests two touchdowns for him 16 of 30 so the completion percentage isn't really there but he's continuing to push the ball down the field and in this particular one nico collins was the big winner nine targets seven receptions 168 yards and two touchdowns sean him and tank dell have been kind of swapping on a week-to-week basis who's having the big day but last week tank dell with a massive day where nico collins didn't get much this week the opposite way but a huge day for for collins but four games into his nfl career sean at this point cj stride outside of completion percentage really looks to be the real deal on a team where we assume this offense would have a lot of struggles and they are having some struggles but there's a huge amount for this franchise to be positive about and for fantasy managers if they took stride in a you know a super flex rookie draft for example moving forward here yeah i mean stroud looks unbelievable just unbelievable and i always like to give a lot of credit to dave caben for his great qb research that was in the road of his rookie guide we had stroud as the highest ranked of the three qbs for most of draft season i unfortunately let myself get pushed off of him for both of the other two players with some of the things that happened kind of down the stretch of prospect season and obviously i regret that because i don't think there's any question that stroud is the gem of this class i think last week on stealing bananas before we got this particular performance you know i compared him to justin herbert i think you could make the case that he's going to be better than that now herbert had an interesting game as well this past week but so many things on the injury update sounds like he is a a broken finger on his non-throwing hand from that contest this week and it'll be interesting to see how much that affects him given that i mean you do kind of need the other hand for some of the things you want to do as a quarterback one of the things i thought was interesting there is that you know he gets the splint to start with he gets the glove after that they are going forth and short and the commentators keep saying well you know when you have this particular injury you can't take a snap under center and i'm thinking to myself i mean these are this is an nfl player saying that so he has a lot better sense of it than i do but i'm also thinking to myself i mean these dudes are incredibly tough you're in the moment as opposed to like the adrenaline is going i'm like i I think that Justin Herbert, if he thinks it's the best play, is going to take a snap under center, and they Which did. Was an incredible pass. Well, they he throws a very impressive pass that you mentioned. After that, on this under center play, he tries oh, yeah. to do the Jalen Hurts sneak, and they get stopped, and it gives the Raiders a chance to go and win the game, which obviously they did not do. But Justin Herbert. He's not somebody that made sense for fantasy this year. And yet, I mean, he's working to overcome that. He was working to overcome it in this game without Mike Williams. Now, the game didn't go well from a passing perspective, but he was running the ball a lot. I mean, that portion, if you have a broken finger, I mean, maybe it gets a little bit more difficult to do some of those kind of tough guy plays, uh, you know, again, for this next short stretch. But I mean, Justin Herbert, the arm talent and the competitiveness both off the charts you love to see that but cj stroud in this game here I mean, one of the things that happened damian pierce did look pretty decent in the first half when you consider how good that pittsburgh steelers 
rush defense can be. I mean, one of the things in this particular game, even with the Texans being at home, is you're thinking, okay, this isn't a great matchup for them. And even if Kenny Pickett struggles, the Steelers defense will kind of dictate this game. It won't be a good matchup for Damian Pierce. They'll be able to put some stress pressure on CJ Stroud. Stroud takes zero sacks in this game. One of the things that he's doing on top of everything else is just reading the field, making the decision so quickly and getting rid of the ball that teams can't even get to him with the pass rush. And again, I mean, that's one of the things. And I think that Danny Kelly said it so well when he came on the pod and just said, you know, look, some of this processing stuff I'm not factoring in because it's either already counted or, you know, we don't actually know yet what it really means. And Stroud for him as well, somebody that he really liked, somebody that Dave and Curtis were on. The thing that you love in this game is that, I mean, if you don't have Damian Pierce, Pierce looked good. He still only ends up with 3.4 yards per carry. So that's something that you kind of want to keep an eye on. He just has to be so good in order to be valuable. But he gets a touchdown overturned. They immediately then throw a touchdown to Nico Collins. So if you're playing against him, that part is frustrating. But the other thing that you love is that up 23 to 6 relatively late in this game, as opposed to saying we've got a rookie QB and we're going to sit on the ball and just hope that the other team doesn't come back because, you know, we've watched Kenny Pickett and company play offense and we don't think they can come back. There you get the 52-yard touchdown pass to Collins, which if you're playing Stroud or you're playing Collins, those plays are so huge because the add-on, I mean, that's where you end up gapping your opponents. That's where you end up making up for, you know, one of your other guys in the starting lineup getting hurt or having a bad game. You need those huge performances. Now, a lot of that play did come after the catch and yet you love to see the Texans being willing to add on late to pile on the Steelers here. Everything about this game, you have to hate for the Pittsburgh Steelers who looked just incompetent and demoralized in every possible way to the point where you really wonder what they can do and what their other options are at the offensive coordinator position. It's very difficult to make those changes in season. And yet I don't know that you can go through the rest of this year with the coaching staff that you have in place without more or less wrecking Pickett's career and putting your entire franchise in a reboot start over type of mentality, which we know that for the Steelers is not really the way that they do things. Now they have so many players hurt at this point as well that I don't know that there is any real path to 2023 success. Yeah, it feels like it's almost shipping. It's only four weeks in, but it feels like it's shipping up to be a potential completely lost season for the, the franchise. Sean, I'm going to go through a couple of games. We did touch a little bit on the, the Chargers. They did end up getting that win 24 to 17 in a game as well, where you know they kind of were in cruise control in you know at halftime and they, they let them back in it towards the end. Devontae Adams did go out in this game, but did come back in, hit 13 targets, eight for 75, but quite a portion of this it looked like he was you know just being kind of used as a decoy after that injury but did get back into things then josh jacobs though is 11 targets eight receptions 81 yards jacoby myers just four receptions for four targets for two receptions but it was a game where in o'connell was in for his debut in the nfl versus what they i guess potentially would have had if they had jimmy garoppolo in there this was a game where just offense was almost non-existent throughout with justin herbert on the other side 167 passing yards for him 155 yards on the ground between the three running backs and herbert himself herbert rushing for two touchdowns in this with 27 yards to go along with it so 
kind of a weird game as a whole then we also had the buccaneers in another kind of a weird situation 26 to 9 they kind of cruised to a win against the saints and another kind of weird one we have 37 pass attempts for Derek carishon just 23 completions with 127 yards we also get alvin kamara back for this one 51 yards rushing on 11 attempts but sean he has 13 receptions for 33 yards that breaks the previous record for 13 receptions which was 71 yards but that is not really you know the the depth of target there isn't really going to get things done but 14 targets for him just a really big massive again with chris olavi my one note on this one i don't know if you'll agree but we had a six targets one reception for four yards but there's a deep target which is you know in the end zone or if he had went back to try and get it, it might be at the one yard line but doesn't really fight back to try and get it i think if he turns around to try and make a play on the ball it's probably gonna be one where the defender just goes through him and it's going to be a you know a spot foul for pass interference but on the other side i mentioned mike evans did pick up an injury in this game that led to 11 targets for chris godwin eight for 114 for him from baker mayfield who had three touchdowns 246 yards passing in the last game sean i'm going to let you give your thoughts on whichever portions of these that you want but your kansas city chiefs got to win 23 to 20 against the new york jets not in as comfortable a fashion as we may have expected in this one zach wilson potentially having one of his better career games in this one 245 yards passing two touchdowns mahomes throws two interceptions in this one one touchdown the other note sean i'm going to hold on this one is has any running back ever looked like they are working harder to gain yards than a Isaiah Pacheco? Is he? I don't know if he's trying to do high knees, if he's trying to push his feet through the ground. I don't. I and I, I meant to bring this up a couple of weeks ago, and every week it's just been kind of I see it and then I forget it. But Ben did a tweet on his touchdown run, and uh, I think it went pretty. I think he might have six thousand likes or something on it at this point. But it was about you know Isaiah Pacheco is basically looks like he's putting in the most work for these yards have you any insights on this as to why it looks like he's running so many steps for so few yards but in this one he does have 115 and one touchdown yeah well it's i was gonna say it's not gonna look good it's gonna look odd right because you mentioned the high knee he has a unique running style yeah, I mean, he looks like he's driving his legs hard into the ground. You're like, dude, you're super fast. Like, you don't need to. He, he's country. You know how him. you put like the ladders on the ground to do shuttle drills through for your, you know, foot speed. He, he, I think he actually can envision them all the way down the field as he tries to, to run in the NFL. Well, you don't need to make contact with the Earth's core as you, <laughs> as you're running, right? You also don't need to shoulder shake every step. Because, I mean, he looks like he's trying to make a move every step, but I don't think he's actually... He's juking guys, Sean. Can you not see it? Well, I mean, he's juking invisible defenders. Because <laughs> one of the things is that Isaiah Pacheco runs against the lightest boxes that you'll ever see. We say all that, and hopefully it comes off at this point as being in... It isn't fun. It was, like, it was a 48-yard touchdown run. It was, like, me, Sean, myself or yourself are never running for 48 yards to the end zone in the nfl so it isn't just or like hopefully 48 yards consecutively ever again yeah but i mean he had a great game he looks good right he looks good i mean it's a fantastic situation he's in he looks good he has the 115 yards rushing he catches all three of his targets and takes them for 43 yards he gets the touchdown i mean right now with how bad 
everybody else looks. I mean, Travis Kelsey, weirdly, is not that involved in these games. I don't know if he's still not 100%. Certainly, the element that we discussed last year, where we thought that he was going to get a ton of defensive attention with how bad the receivers were, he was able to beat that with ease and put up one of these historic tight end seasons in 2022. This season, that has not been the case so far. He has not been a difference maker in these games. As... Patrick Mahomes is dropping back and then like wandering around and then 10 seconds later will sometimes decide to run for the first down. I mean, Travis Kelsey, not a guy that the defense is having to really account for very much on those plays. And then you go beyond that and the next two players in terms of receiving yards are Pacheco himself and then Noah Gray, the backup tight end. I mean, you were getting absolutely nothing from Kadarius Toney, who had the two targets in this game. Sky Moore has two targets, zero yards. I mean, Sky Moore, zero yards. That's about what you're starting to be able to really count on with him as a receiver. They're really not using... I Rice got five targets, but I, again, like I talked, and I think if you have some of these guys, you're probably going to want to sprinkle them in to your starting lineups. But like I mentioned with the Colts, for as many points as we're expecting the Chiefs to put up, it's very hard outside of the running backs and Travis Kelsey at the moment. And then I think Rice, after that, it's very hard to put any of these guys in your weekly lineups. Oh, it would be impossible. And you think through where the Chiefs are with this. And again, it kind of goes back to that discussion that we've been having for the first month here, where teams like the Eagles, like the Dolphins, have continued to add and surround their quarterbacks with superstars and the chiefs have really gone the other direction now it's still more or less working i mean this is a road game against a team that defeated the buffalo bills and right now people are like oh the bills are like far and away the best team in the afc it's like i mean they've been good in the past (laughs) let's wait for them to actually come through and be able to play in the playoffs before you know we say they're the best team in the nfl especially after they've lost a game to the new york jets But the flip side of it is I think that we have to give some credit to Zach Wilson. He actually looked decent in this game. You could see the arm strength. You could see the athleticism. He scrambled a couple times in impressive fashion in this game. I think most people find it very difficult to understand how they could have drafted him number two overall. And they obviously shouldn't have. But you can see some of the flashes in this particular game. I mean, one thing is that if his pass to Garrett Wilson in the end zone is you know three inches further back then wilson probably makes a great play on that game and the jets win right you're looking at a situation here where in 14 targets he knows where his bread is buttered yeah they end up not being explosive plays but you got the impression that garrett wilson was willing to try with zach wilson as the quarterback which he hasn't necessarily been willing to do it's certainly a step forward uh, in terms of his maturation process you had the long run the 43 yard run from Brees hall where he barely misses taking it the whole way i mean one of the things when you look at this game is that i know that they're trying to bring him in slowly but the jets don't have that much to blame this game on other than themselves for Zach Wilson having, I mean, he avoids the sacks. He avoids the interceptions. He has the terrible fumble that costs them this game. Those things happen every once in a while, but certainly he was very distressed that he had made that mistake. But from a play calling perspective, you've got to get the ball to Brees Hall more than six times. And obviously a little bit of it is fluky, but we look at some of these situations where you have Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, you have Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. The backups on some of these teams are soaking up touches that could go 
to the starter in losses where the talent gap between the two players is absolutely vast in a game that you could have won you've got to get the ball to Brees Hall more than they did here the other thing I mean the Jets are very frustrated about getting the defensive holding call late in the game where they appear to pick the ball off but I mean that's a flagrant hold <laughs> I mean if your argument is that we've been doing that the whole game and haven't been getting called then what you need to do to adjust for next week is to stop cheating <laughs> right not be mad about the one time that you get called for a flagrant penalty so if the Chiefs receivers are having to deal with that kind of holding all throughout the game, then you can understand why perhaps they're not getting open, how Patrick Mahomes is getting some of these running lanes. But really, I mean, again, you've got to give a lot of credit to the Jets for coming back in this game. I think really a lot of criticism does deservedly go to the Chiefs for getting to continue playing after they're up 17 to zero. I mean, the Jets were right there. I mean, they had this game on the tips of their fingers, just couldn't quite grab hold. Yeah, it was a competitive game, but they, they didn't get there. But Zach Wilson showing some potential signs in terms of how he was using his wide receivers, particularly Wilson. But we'll see what they do around how we can use Brees Hall moving forward. But that is going to do it for today's edition of Road of His Overtime. We'll be back on Wednesday with another show, one of our Friday edition. As I mentioned at the start of the show, the quickest way to get all of those is by subscribing to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed always the first place that you'll be able to find the additions of the show if you're signing up over at rotaviz.com you can use the promo code rvradio2023 at checkout to save yourself 10 percent off a rotaviz nfl pass get access to all of the content all of the tools up on rotaviz.com my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to martin my co-host is sean siegel check out his work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with this country, the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.